a little children's book that begins this way. There's a monster under my bed. I can hear it breathing. Listen, I told you so. There's a monster under my bed. I forgot to check under my bed tonight before I got in, and now it's too late. He's there, waiting, waiting for me. I think most of us can relate to that kind of fear. We can remember some time in our life, probably when we were very young, that we had a similar fear come into our lives. I remember when I was either four or five years old, waking up in the middle of the night and looking at the bedroom door, and there was a man standing there wearing a hat, staring at me. And I was so frightened, I tried to call out to my mom and dad who were in the bedroom down the hall. I couldn't get up and run to them because the man was standing between me and my parents. So I tried to call out, and have, have you ever been so scared that you can't make a sound? Just ah. Finally, I got enough noise out that it woke my mother up, and she came down and turned the light on and said, what's wrong? There stood the man. It was an ironing board that my mother had been carrying to the closet and it just stopped in the hall and leaned up against the wall. And when my dad had come home, he had hung his hat on it. <laughs> we all have fears. We had fears when we were little and then our fears grow up with us. They change. But there are things that we try not to think about very much because if we think about them too much then everything just sort of closes in and we get scared and don't know what we would do you know just the last couple of days with the events in Paris bring all the fears of 9-11 back into our hearts don't they and if we think about it too much, we begin to realize that we probably aren't finished with that. That probably we will have to face that in some form in our country again. Your fears may be along those lines. They may be something more personal. There may be something about your family or about yourself that if you think about it, it just seems unimaginable. What would I do if this happened. Well, for the people of Judah in the late 7th and early 6th century, the fear that they lived with, the fear that they couldn't think too much about, the fear that was unimaginable, what would happen if this big nation of Babylonia, the most powerful nation in the world, decided to come down and to destroy the city of Jerusalem and tear down the temple, the house of God. Babylonia had threatened that. And the people could not imagine something like that happening. Because if that happened, they would lose their identity. It had already happened to their relatives that lived north of them. Centuries ago, they had been taken away by the nation of Assyria, scattered all over the world, and were no longer a people. They were lost. 
They thought about the war that would result when Babylonia came, the starvation of being a city under siege, and the loss, the loss of their family, the loss of their lives. They just couldn't think about it very much. It was too big. Well, there were prophets in that city, preachers, and they would gather the people together, and they would tell them, don't worry about this. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because we are the city of God. We are the people of God. And we have his house right here in our city. This is where he lives. And he's not going to allow this to happen. Well, these prophets were very popular. People loved them. They loved to go and listen. And and perhaps when they were sitting at home alone and they began to think, what if, what if, what if this does happen? They would seek out one of these prophets and they'd get into the crowd and listen to him preach. It's not going to happen. Don't worry. They loved the prophets. All except for one. Jeremiah. For decades... Jeremiah had been going around saying, Your greatest fear is coming true. The thing that you are most afraid of is going to happen. And you can't stop it. In 597 B.C., the Babylonians did come to Jerusalem. And no, they did not destroy the city at that time. But they did come and enter the city, and they took away about 3,000 of the wealthiest people in the city, the ruling class of the city, the most educated in the city. They took them away into Babylonian captivity. And they also went into the temple of the Lord and removed from there some of the precious vessels and objects probably because of their gold value is what they were interested in, but they took some of those things and took those back to Babylonia as well. And then they left. So something bad had happened, but not the worst. It wasn't as bad as they thought it could be. And the prophets started gathering the people around and saying, okay, that's it, but it's not going to last very long. Within two years... Within two years, God will bring these people back to us, and they will bring back the vessels of gold and the objects that we revere so much. We'll put them back in the temple. All of this will just have been a bad dream. You can make it. Just hold on only two more years. Jeremiah, on the other hand, because of instructions given by the Lord, went and made himself a yoke. Y-O-K-E, a yoke. We don't use that word a whole lot. You know what it is. We don't really see them much anymore, but you've seen pictures. They were like big collars, usually made out of wood and leather, that they put on the oxen so that they could make the oxen do what they wanted the oxen to do, to plow the fields. And the yoke symbolized slavery and domination. Well, Jeremiah made a yoke and put it on himself. And he would walk around the city saying, This is the yoke of Babylon. 
you will have a yoke around you. Submit to the yoke of Babylon. It's all you can do. God is going to make it happen. Well, one day Jeremiah happened to be in the temple wearing his yoke. And one of those good prophets, one of those popular prophets that everybody loved to hear because they were saying, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Your worst fear is not going to happen. A guy named Hananiah saw Jeremiah wearing his yoke. Oh, gloom and doom, Jeremiah. And he went up to him, and he was so enraged, and he got right in his face, and he said, Thus says the Lord. The Lord has spoken to me, Hananiah said. And I'm telling you that within two years, all these people will be back home. The city will be safe again. Everything will be good. Jeremiah said, I hope so. I would like nothing more than for that to happen. But the Lord has told me it's not going to happen. And whenever the time comes, your prophecy will be proven to be false. He said, in fact, another thing the Lord's told me, that within these two years that you keep talking about, you will be dead. Hananiah was enraged. He jerked the yoke off Jeremiah, threw it on the ground, broke it into pieces. Jeremiah quietly left, went back home, made him a yoke of iron, put it on his neck, went back to Hananiah and said, break this. Within two months, the prophet Hananiah was dead. And Jeremiah was left to give his message. What was the message that he was to tell them? What message could he tell the people who had already been carried off into Babylonian captivity? What message could he tell those who would be carried off in just a few short years? What was he going to tell people to do during the worst of times? What do you tell people whenever you know their worst fear is about to happen? He wrote a letter, and this letter was sent to the people who were in captivity, and his message was proclaimed to all those who remained in Jerusalem. And it went like this. He said, this is going to be a long siege. I wish I could tell you that you're not going to suffer very long, that you're going to wake up tomorrow and it'll all be rosy and good again. I can't tell you that because God has said this is going to last for 70 years. Therefore, believe that and settle into your captivity and begin to ask not the question of why is this happening to me, Ask the question, what can I do here that will be a blessing to those around me? How can I bless even the city in which I am held captive? Turn your thoughts from your misery to what can I do to bless those who are around. And then he gives some marvelous advice. 
Advice that rings through the centuries all the way down to us. He says, here's what you are to do. While you are in this state, the state that you thought you would never be in, that you hoped you would never be in, the situation in life you didn't know if you could handle or not, while you are here, do this. Call upon my name. Come to me and pray to me, says the Lord. And God's promise is, I will listen. He says, search for me. For if you search for me then, you will find me. And he says, seek me with all your heart. Let coming to know me and experience me and me to be your God, let that be your deepest desire that drives you every day. And if you do, I promise you, I will let myself be found. I'll be there for you. Now the question is, did they do that? Whenever it all happened, Whenever the city was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, people were carried off into Babylonian captivity, what did they do? Well, we know they followed the advice and counsel of Jeremiah. Because, you see, they were afraid that this would be the end of them as a people. That they would be destroyed and that would be all. But if we read the history of the people of Judah... We know that they returned from Babylonian captivity stronger than ever. Why is that? Well, when they got into Babylonian captivity, we know that they sought the Lord, that they prayed to Him, because they began to get together in groups. They no longer had the temple to gather at, and so wherever they were in their captivity, they began getting together in groups in gathering places. Another name for a gathering place is a synagogue. Synagogues did not exist before the captivity. But because the people wanted to seek the Lord, they wanted to search for Him, they began gathering together to encourage each other and to help each other. And because they no longer had the sacrificial system of the temple, they began to seek the Word of the Lord. What is it that God has said to us? They began to collect together the things, the books, the, the, the little scraps, the portions, and, and put them all together. Do you know where the Old Testament came from? The captivity. Because they began focusing in on, we need to know this God. We need to think about Him. We need to listen to His Word. We need to let Him tell us what He's like. And they put together what we call the Old Testament. Some of the books were even written during that time, like First and Second Chronicles and Daniel. And all these books came into being, and they began to really focus on these and saying, this is our God, this is what God says. And another thing that happened, the reason they were in captivity is because they kept falling into idolatry. No more. Because they called upon the Lord. They searched for Him. They sought him with all their heart. And from that day on, there was not an idol in the land of Israel. They even moved from what's called uh, 
uh, unilateralism or monolateralism where uh, they, you know, many people in Israel worshipped God, but they saw him as kind of a bigger God than everybody else's God. But because they prayed to him, and they searched for him, and they sought him, they came to know that there is only one God, that he is the only true God, and him did they worship. Jeremiah's advice rings through the ages. I don't know what kind of situation you're in right now in life. And I don't know exactly what your greatest fear is. You could be in a really good time. It could be that things are going well. You've got a good job. School's going well. Your practice is going well. Whatever it is, and everything's sort of going along. Jeremiah's advice still fits. Even in the good times, because you know, sometimes it's the good times that can be the biggest trap for us. Even in the good times, call upon the name of the Lord. Pray to Him, and He will hear you. Search for Him, and you will find Him. Seek Him with all your heart, and He will let you find him. And if you're in one of those unthinkable times, your greatest fear has come true, and you don't know what to do, the advice of Jeremiah rings true. Call upon the name of the Lord and pray to him, for he will hear you. Search for him and you will find him. Seek for him with all your heart, and he will make himself known to you. Because you see, truly the greatest fear that we can have, the most unimaginable thing that can ever happen to us, is that we're no longer in touch with God. That's the thing from which we will never recover. That's the thing that can happen to us in good times or bad times. So whatever our situation is, call upon the name of the Lord. Search for Him, and you will find Him. Seek after Him with all your heart, and He will make Himself known to you. The people of Israel became a strong people into which God sent his son to live, to die, and to live again so that he can open up a way for each one of us to find our God. Today, as we come to a close of this service, if you realize that no matter what your greatest fear has been, that what may have happened in your life is you've lost touch with him. Then we invite you as we stand and we're going to sing together. We're going to have some of our elders around on the perimeters of this room. Go and let them help you to call upon his name, to seek him, to search for him, and he will be there. Let's stand and sing together.
Oh, to Jesus. 